0: How can you even defend a position you believe blindly or never even truly studied? Mormons and Jehovah Witnesses are not Christians. They believe in an entirely different Jesus, a Jesus that never even existed. Is your life here on earth meaningless and purposeless? Ask Bertrand Russell. He says that our existence here is pitiless indifference. Being in a Christian home makes your kids no more a Christian than them standing in the garage makes them a car. They need to hear the gospel of Christ and receive the free gift of salvation personally. Welcome to Contending for Christ Apologetics, where we contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. So today I want to look at two words. I want to look at these two words from a biblical perspective, and I want to see what God has to say about these two words. What's the difference... Between perseverance and preservation. The first one I want to look at is preservation. And according to Noah Webster's 1828 dictionary, I love old dictionaries, especially with the King James Version translation. The dictionary of 1828 says that preservation is the act of preserving or keeping safe. The act of keeping from injury, destruction, or decay. And it's really the definition of the word it highlights the significance of keeping which is actually defined as holding or restraining, preserving, guarding, protecting, performing. And it's from this definition that we can see in Scripture that a Christian is preserved by God's work, by the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. And there's a lot of emphasis placed on the spiritual gifting aspect of pneumatology, but little is actually mentioned regarding the Holy Spirit's work in preserving and illuminating in the life of a believer. You see, the Holy Spirit's preserving work through Christ is very evident. A believer's preservation by the Holy Spirit is actually a point of emphasis throughout the entire New Testament, seen actually in three divisions. First, got to understand that many have a misunderstanding of what one gains upon being reconciled back to God. When one places their faith in Jesus Christ and his sacrifice on the cross for their sinfulness, and they seek forgiveness, and they trust in his resurrection, they don't simply receive salvation, they receive eternal life. And that's what Jesus says in John 3, 16. Whosoever believes in him should never perish, but what? Have everlasting life. And it's at that moment that they receive this everlasting life. One passes from death to eternal life. For wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Also note that whenever eternal life is received it's always received and referenced in the present tense. You can see this in numerous passages. Just some are John 3:15 and 16, John 3:36, John 5:24, Acts 16:31. Secondly, eternal life is said to have been sealed, sealed by the Holy Spirit at the moment of conversion. We see this in John 14:16 and 17, 1 Corinthians 1, 22, Ephesians 4:30. Second Timothy two hundred nineteen and first Peter one five. It's this sealing that is considered the earnest of the Spirit, second Corinthians one twenty two, the earnest of our inheritance, Ephesians one fourteen, and one's identification with Christ, seen in second Timothy two hundred nineteen, and also the Spirit is the witness to the individual that they are saved, and this is what the author of Hebrews writes in Hebrews chapter ten verses fourteen through eighteen. And finally, When we see the Spirit indwells a believer upon conversion, and that the Spirit is the sealing of a believer to God's family, we finally determine the length of the sealing. How long is a believer sealed? And we read in Scripture that a believer is sealed until redemption, Ephesians 1.14, the day of redemption, Ephesians 4.30, the last time, 1 Peter 1.5. Each time it identifies this sealing as lasting until the rapture, John 6.40. The Holy Spirit's indwelling presence is part of God's precious promise to those who place their faith in him that he will never cast them away. John 10:28. The same dictionary, the 1828 Noah Webster Dictionary defines perseverance as persistence in anything undertaken, continued pursuit, or prosecution of a business or enterprise begun. Really, in other words, perseverance can be viewed as staying a particular state or venture. This word is only actually found one time in Scripture, perseverance, and is found in Ephesians chapter six, verse eighteen, where Christians admonish to watch with all perseverance in supplication for the saints. Here in the latter portion of the sixth chapter of Ephesians, Paul is reminding the believers at Ephesus of the role spiritual warfare plays throughout their life and their need to don God's spiritual armor. All pieces of the armor must figuratively be put on, if a believer wants to stand a chance against the unseen spiritual warfare. But he highlights that while the armor may be donned and put on, he or she needs to watch with all perseverance. The word perseverance is a Greek word, proskartereasis, and it's evident in this one-time usage of the word that perseverance has nothing to do with eternal life or maintaining eternal life. So what does Paul mean to watch with all perseverance? Simply, a Christian, a believer, if you're a child of God, you need to always be mindful of the fact that some of the trials, pains, and struggles we have in life, whether it's physically, whether it's emotionally, financially, relationally, whatever the case is, they could very well be a result of the spiritual battle going on in our lives with the adversary or his followers. We're regularly admonished to persevere in this watching of the trials of our lives in Ephesians, in the single use of this word has nothing to do with soteriology, but rather with Satanology or demonology in the role in affecting a believer's life. You see, many times the term endure is used to promote the idea that a Christian needs to endure in the faith until the end, otherwise they're seen as not a genuine Christian. But when we contextually read a few of these passages, Matthew 10, Matthew 24, 13, Mark 13, 13, we reveal that the enduring brings a physical salvation, not a spiritual salvation. For instance, in Matthew 10, this is a physical salvation from the AD 70 judgment in Jerusalem. In Matthew 24, 13 and Mark 13, 13, it's the physical salvation from the destruction in the tribulation period. I've had common... Not arguments, but debates, but conversations with people, and about terms and words and how they're used. And one of the greatest fallacies in hermeneutics is believing that a word carries the same meaning every time it's used. It's, uh, I believe, the logical fallacy is called fallacy of equivocation. Basically, this is the case with the words disciple, fire, gospel, salvation. People tend to look at those words in scripture and always define them the same way every time they're used. But a disciple does not always refer to a believer. We see that in John 12, 4. Fire is not always symbolic of hell because we see in 1 Corinthians 3, 13 that Paul uses the illustration of a fire burning up our works as a Christian. The gospel can simply just mean good news, not even referring to Christ, Romans 1, 1. And salvation can refer to the physical deliverance rather than spiritual. And we see this in Psalm ninety-seven, three. If we want to be honest, if we want to be really diligent students of God's word who want to study the immediate context, as well as the book and the Bible context to understand the correct meaning of a word. An erroneous interpretation of enduring until the end places maintenance of eternal life on an individual's works rather than the finished work of Christ on the cross. Believing that we need to endure in the end means that we need to hold on to our own eternal life and not lose it. And if we end up losing it, it's because we didn't hold on to it. But that neglects what we just spoke about as far as the preserving aspect of the Holy Spirit, his indwelling presence, his sealing, until when? The day of redemption. Once we come to Christ in faith and we're reconciled as a child of God, we have the blessed assurance, the blessed promise, we will never be cast away. The maintenance and the preservation of our eternal life is solely predicated on the faithfulness of God in his word. I also want to point out, Dr. Lawrence Vance, in his book, The Other Side of Calvinism, points out a few things, namely that a Christian may not always persevere, you see, he points out that a Christian may depart from the faith in 1 Timothy 4.1. They may err from the faith in 1 Timothy 6.10. Err concerning the faith, 1 Timothy 6.21. They may deny the faith, 1 Timothy 5.8. They may even make shipwreck of the faith, 1 Timothy 5.12. They may swerve from the faith, 1 Timothy 1, 1.6. And not even continue in the faith, Colossians 1.23. Two examples of Christians who fell away from their faith but were subsequently reconciled are John Mark, we can somewhat see this in Acts 15, 37, 38, and the fornicator in the Corinthian church in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 1. These two examples refill the fact that perseverance is an ongoing battle that all of us Christians face. Unfortunately, there's a lot that's been made regarding an individual's role, a believer's role, not only in persevering in the faith but also being preserved in the faith. And that's really sad and it's unfortunate because it removes the assurance of eternal life that God promises us and blesses us with. And he places the assurance of eternal life into the hands of the believer to maintain a means for individual boasting, actually. Dr. Welkin, in his book, Confident in Christ, gives a very good illustration because those that say you have to have works Otherwise, you're not a genuine Christian. They have a lot more to boast about of their salvation. Whereas somebody that does not look at that, and we realize that the only way we can keep eternal life is through the promise of God, the faithfulness of God, the preserving and the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Listen to this. Let's say Phil and Bob are both believers. Phil perseveres and goes to heaven. Bill doesn't and he goes to hell. Whether we say that Bill lost his salvation or that he proved to be a false professor, he doesn't make it because he didn't persevere. This would, however, give Phil a ground for boasting. He could legitimately say that he got into heaven because he persevered in good works. You see how claiming lordship salvation, claiming that you have to persevere and endure to the end places the boasting, places the maintenance of eternal life on the individual rather than God. And it's by grace we are saved through what? Not works. Through faith, not of works. And so we have to realize as a Christian, we can do nothing to gain salvation. We cannot do nothing to lose salvation. We can't even do anything to maintain salvation. That is why it's a gift. That is why it's grace. That is why it's love of God. It's very important to remember that preservation has to do with God's work towards man, and perseverance has to do with man's work toward God. Unknowingly, those, like I said, who promote a perseverance as a requirement for salvation, they're actually no different than those that teach works are needed to gain salvation whether you teach you have to work to gain salvation or whether you teach you have to work to keep salvation. It's the same metaphorical horse. The only difference is the location of the cart. Thanks for listening. We pray this ministry glorifies God and edifies you, the listener. For more great content, including videos, blogs, newsletters, and a free ebook, check out our website at c4capologetics.weekly.com. You can also email us at c4capologetics at gmail.com with questions or ideas for future episodes. We truly appreciate you. Please like, share, and comment on this episode, and don't forget to subscribe for future episode notifications. Thanks for checking in, and remember to be bold and keep contending for Christ.